If someone were to write a book about your career, would anyone want to read it? And what would they learn? Could we handle the truth? Would you razzle-dazzle us? What, like it's hard? Welcome to Characters of the KCBA, where I have lighthearted and meaningful conversations with your fellow Kane County Bar Association members about the characters from books, TV, and movies who inspired them to do their best legal work. I'm Chrissy White, a proud family law attorney at Shaw Sanders PC in St. Charles and co-chair of the New Lawyers Committee of the KCBA. My hope is that these conversations strengthen the professionalism and collegiality of our Bar Association and provide insight into the way our members think and feel about their work. I hope you'll enjoy getting to know our guests. There's always something to learn. I'm here with Judge Valdez, and I'm very excited um, to speak with you today. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on our KCBA podcast. Thank you. It's a very big pleasure. I've enjoyed uh, listening to the podcasts that have already been done, and uh, I'm very excited to be a part of this. What has your week been like lately? What would you say uh, the movie montage version of the last couple weeks would be? What would we see you doing? You know, I'm a very dramatic person overall my wife <laughs> cracks my wife up because she says my sons are, are having uh, have inherited that from me uh, it, it's been a, a series of ups and downs a lot of uh, great moments because uh, the last couple weeks has, has provided me with the opportunity uh, to become a circuit judge uh, in the sub circuit where basically I've lived almost my entire life and I've always practiced so that was extremely exciting and um, and it's bittersweet because we had the, the passing of Judge Parkhurst this last week, who was mm -hmm. someone uh, who I deeply respected and admired and actually plays into the, our topic of conversation. So it's, it's the beauty of life, you know, the ups and the downs. And uh, as I mentioned before, if, if, uh, if this were a movie, it would be definitely a musical because uh, I love the drama and, and just the passion and the emotion that comes with life. That's great. And I think um, Broadway musicals bring that out in people. So do um, you have any favorites? You know what? I, I still would probably stick with Miranda as far as um, my favorites right now. And um, in that, you know, Hamilton is something that just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I'm big into The Lion King. Uh, uh, I've probably seen about four or five shows. But just the um, the the upbeat uh, nature that he brings to his work, uh, anything along the lines of Miranda would probably do it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I loved Hamilton, too. That was really great. Did you see it in Chicago? I did. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Amazing. And I think as lawyers, too, it has kind of, um, it, it has a special place in my mind, just because, and in my heart, I, I think it has a lot of depth and and what people were trying to do, what we're still trying to do with our government, with with democracy and, and our, you know, everything that that was laid out before us and how hard they had to work. Yeah. I just think about that when I think about, um, you know, uh, Hamilton writing like he's running out of time and everything else. I feel like we can feel that sometimes. So, um, but yeah. So uh, in other literary um, works of art and works of note, um, you have decided to focus our conversation today on a character that's near and dear to your heart, and you had mentioned that uh, last time I was before you in court, um, and that is Atticus Finch, right? That is 
It's something, it may be very cliche-ish for anyone that's an attorney because you're going to always have those references. I think if, you, if you're if you not drawn to that story, your family and friends are going to probably make references along the way. But that's something that's been unbelievably impactful in my life. Uh, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be an attorney. And that started probably in, in fifth, sixth grade because it was at that time when my brother had me read the book. He would usually have me read whatever he was reading when he was in high school at the time. And he introduced me to the character over the course of my life. I probably read it at maybe seven, eight times just to kind of refresh myself and um, kind of hit on the topics and, and the, um, the emotions and um, – recreate the inspiration at different points in my life as far as, you know, this is exactly why I wanted to become a lawyer. When I was sworn in as an associate judge, uh, we had a copy of the book that um, we gave to the family that was uh, invited to our reception, and they all wrote notes inside the book, and it's something I, I cherish. Wow, yeah. It's it's one of those um, stories that I, I remember reading it when I was in eighth grade, but I, I also remember a lot of it going right over my head. I, I'll be honest, because I, I think that I didn't quite grasp, you know, how deep it was, how meaningful it was, and just how how much is at stake for people in it. And so I picked it up again. Um, I took a literary fiction, um, or no, I'm sorry, children's lit class in college, and then we read it there. And so we kind of dissected it a little bit more. Um, but in preparation for this conversation, I, I watched the movie. <laughs> so I loved it, though, and I, I really felt like um, the court scene and just seeing Atticus working. And, I mean, even before the court scene, I don't want to jump too far ahead. He is talking to clients, like, you know, so respectfully and so without judgment, just meets people where they are. That was something that I thought was really noteworthy. I mean, what kind of characteristics did you see in him when you were reading it and, and that you really admired? You know, and that's just it. It's the professionalism, the humility, um, the integrity he brought to his work. And <clears throat> to me, it was always a question. When I when I was practicing law, my motto was restore someone's dignity today. And it, it meant a lot to me because this was a, a gentleman to practice with uh, professionalism and a, um, a sense of charm that I always wanted to encapsulate. And um, even to the point where I emulated like his uh, fashion style because I, mm-hmm. I started wearing three-piece suits for a while uh, because of him. And I even have a suit that is it's almost a replica of what he wore in, in the trial scene um, because I just love the, the movie and the impression. But it just kind of reminded me again of this is the type of attorney I want to be where you, you deal even with uh, opposing parties in a very respectful way. And that's something that I was told quite a bit um, a, as I uh, grew as an attorney and uh, as when I uh, finally got on the bench, you know, people told me, hey, I always appreciated the way you worked because I was very respectful, very dignified. And honestly, it comes straight from emulating, you know, what that character because it really was that big in my life. That's amazing. And I do remember uh, just recently when I was watching it, I thought, he is so stylish. You know, he, he does dress really well. But but even more so, I thought how much he kept his composure when he is getting just, you know, so much disrespect thrown in his way and, and so much um, hatred towards his client, you know, the, the court scene. Um, and so for people who don't remember, it's the, the big 
trial. Um, at the the climax of the book and the movie is is the trial of the man who's accused of rape, and it's a black man and a white woman, and it's a an issue of race, issue of class, but also, um, you know, coming with the people in the town, their preconceived notions of what must have happened, and and it's just for uh, to watch that again and and to see it or see it play out in the film and and think about the book. I was like. Oh my gosh, this is so, um, so eye-opening because it's one of those issues that um, for for young children to to even be exposed to. One of the big themes in the book is kind of a coming of age and understanding the realities of the world. And um, but he still he manages to to treat him with such dignity, and that is so true because I think that. Uh, you know, whatever whatever you want to say about lawyers, sometimes people get a we get a bad rep. You know, but it is it's a hard job. I mean, would you agree that that some of it is, I mean, almost unthinkable that one of the some of the cases that you've had to to have you never would have imagined. I'm sure. It. Uh, I did a lot of criminal defense, but I <clears throat> I always did my best to to try to stress that look, I'm I may you know have to address your actions, but I'm not going to judge you as a human being. Um, and even on the bench now, I, I still tell people, look, I'm judging what you did. I'm not judging you as a human. So hopefully that's the case and, and you understand where I'm coming from. But it's, it's, it's truly a situation where with, with what we see, it's, it's just um, the work that we have to put into it, the, and, and for the most part, the compassion that you have to address as many of these situations with. One of the things I don't think Atticus gets a lot of credit for, and I'm realizing that now that I'm, I'm a father, um, as I mentioned, I have a, a seven-and-a-half-month-old and, and a son who's uh, two-and-three-quarters <laughs> years old. Um, his parenting skills were way ahead of his time. Yes. Um, he actually would talk and address issues and explain them to his children in ways that, you know, some parents are still too scared to. And the fact that he had to really hit some, some really serious issues with his children in the way he did, you know, what he would explain and the things he would have to say to him was it's really impressive when you think about it because those are now concepts that we understand and that are uh, presented to us now but it wasn't really common back then I mean and this was written you know back in the, I think it came out in 61 mm-hmm. and, it, and it was about a time even before that right I mean it, it's set in the is it 30s or 40s or I think the Maybe the 50s. 50s. Um, it, it, but it is before the civil rights movement, and it's definitely, um, yeah, it is. it was ahead of its time. Um, and that's interesting that you pick up on the parenting stuff, too, because something that I don't always talk to other, um, like my colleagues who are dads. I talk to my colleagues who are moms all the time about, you know, the work-life balance and the things like that. But you know, you are such an involved dad. I know that just because the few times that I have had the pleasure of speaking with you, you talk about your kids, and and I know they're so important to you, and family is really important to you. Um, it, it is one of those things that, as as lawyers, I I think we have a lot of um, self criticism on the time that we spend away from our families, so that when we are with our kids, we want to make it count. At least that's kind of how I feel at times. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but your parenting style and what, what would you say you hope for your kids in terms of their growing up? You know, it, it, 
It's interesting because they're going to hopefully learn these lessons through books, through movies, through discussions that we're going to have with them. They hopefully won't have to see a lot of the things that we saw growing up. Um, and that also was a very big impetus as far as encouraging me to be a lawyer uh, based on a lot of things I grew up with and what I saw. So it's it's to think that they're going to have the ability to learn um, these concepts, which are, are still pervasive in many ways uh, in our society, but in a much safer environment is something I, I am truly grateful for. And as far as being a father, there's... I've been very blessed with a great position and a great job. There's no role that's going to mean more to me than being my mother's son and my my children's fathers. Um, my wife knows she means the world to me, but being a father has just been something completely unbelievable. And to find a book that kind of wraps up uh, being a great father, because he's a single father in the book, as well as you know my my love and what my ideal is as far as the practice of law. It was, that's something that, to, that's why to this day it means so much to me. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right that, that the way he delivers his um, lessons to his kids were very specific to, he has the older son, um, and then he has the younger daughter, Scout, and is it Jen? Jem. Jem. And Jem, um, at one point he's talking about the, I mean, the title of the book, To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, why why we don't shoot at them. You can shoot at tin cans, and I guess if you shoot a blue jay, that's fine, but we don't, you know, to kill a mockingbird is a grave sin. And at that point, uh, Scout, as the narrator, she's saying, well, he had never really talked about what is a sin or what we shouldn't do, but that was one thing that he was trying to get a point across. And what what did you take that to mean? You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing because I thought it tied up a lot of the themes of the, the story. It wasn't just a lesson that he was providing to his, his children at the time, um, specifically about, you know, what he could use. I think it was his, his BB gun or maybe mm-hmm. even a rifle that uh, he had given him. Um, but also in a greater sense with regard to what our obligation is to, you know, our fellow human being. And in that sense, you know, um, I always took it as well as, you know, the the mockingbirds in our world are the ones that are less fortunate than us, the ones that uh, need assistance in, in receiving a defense. And to me, you know, it's a little hanging fruit for someone that wants to be a bully, for someone that wants to take advantage of someone. And it, it was my goal to always want to step up, you know, for those individuals and um, and, and try to be the, the atticus in their life. Yeah. And, and as a judge, I mean, uh, that definitely goes into what you do every day now in your day-to-day role because there are going to be people who come before you who are more vulnerable. There are going to be people who come before you who are less um, privileged in their life or less um, savvy with legal and business matters. You know, ignorance of the law is no defense to breaking the law, as we all know, but... What would you say about, you know, the, the way that you need to look at the person? Because, as you said, you're looking at their actions, not the person. You're not, you're not there to judge people. But you are there to make decisions that people can understand and wrap their minds around. So how do you uh, grapple with that? You know, I'm really proud of where we are as far as the 16th Circuit. I give our chief judge... Uh, Judge Hall has so much credit as far as making sure that we're on the forefront of uh, where the the state is trying to go w- with regard to how we administer justice. And um, 
And it's a key difference there because it's not just about having a legal system. It's actually about administering justice. There's a difference there because I think to administer justice means that you are going to do your best to make sure that you get the best possible outcome for all people that appear before you. And um, for me, it, it, it ends up being a situation where – and it, it, there's also paraphrasing from the book – you know, where you really need to do your best to walk in someone else's shoes. And it's mm-hmm. not until you're in that other person's shoes where you can get a better understanding of, of where they're coming from. And uh, where the, the system is going, I, I'm, I'm very pleased with. But it's definitely a situation where we're using more compassion to try to understand, you know, why this happened as opposed to, well, we're just going to punish this action. And I am very proud to be part of a system that's moving in that direction because I think that uh, it does incorporate people's stories, people's experiences, people's struggles. And I, I don't think that we can do a good job of of providing um, a, a sense of justice uh, or a, a solid um, decision on a case if you can't uh, look into uh, who that individual is so you have a better understanding. And I honestly think that applies to almost every uh, aspect of and every uh, type of case that we hear. I mean, <clears throat> each person's perspective helps you understand and hopefully will help us also explain, you know, where our decisions come from. Um, so it also helps with the transparency aspect of our system. So it's um, it's just very timely for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the empathy piece is so, um, it's a huge theme throughout this book. It's it's something that he does remind his kids um, a few times. You know, we, we have to look at people's pers- perspective and we have to look at their life. And everyone has a different background. Everyone has a different struggle. Um, that being said, you know, if you let somebody off the hook for something, then you're doing a disservice to the people that may have been harmed by that person. Or um, if you are too lenient one way, that's why I always think of, you know, the scales of justice as um, cliche as they are. They do mean something when you look at them because they there is a balance to be struck. And um, I don't know, maybe you can offer me some advice just kind of off the cuff here because as a litigator, I'm you know, in my eight I'm eight years out of law school. So um, when it comes to really fighting for something, you know, from a judge's perspective and also from a, a seasoned attorney's perspective, you know, how do you um, advise people in my shoes, so to speak, um, how far to push when you're saying, look, the law is the law, my client was wronged, or the law is the law, my client did nothing wrong, you know, because on family law, you have to argue both ways. But what what would your advice be to someone like me to try to do my best job for my client? You know, and, and that actually goes back to a, a, another quote from the movie. Um, and, and I'll share that to you right now, or with you right now. And it's, He tells his son, I wanted you to see what real courage is. Instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand, it's when you know you're licked before you begin, uh, and you begin anyway, and you see it through no matter what. You rarely win, but sometimes you do. And those are the kind of lessons I want to impart on on my children, let alone try to impart on attorneys that that, uh, appear in front of me. There are going to be times where we completely understand you have to do your job and we expect you to do your job zealously. And I, I will always give attorneys the opportunity to make their arguments. Um, my, my big stressor is, one, don't let your integrity um, be questioned because mm-hmm. no one case, no one client is worth that. Um, one of the, my other mottos is 
you know, I have to respect my name. My name means something to me. You know, my parents, you know, gave me that name, and, it, and my my it's my mother and my father's last name, and I don't want to dishonor it. And it, it's important to do your job, do it well, and as long as you stay within the parameters of professionalism and do your job with integrity, it, it's not going to be a problem. But for me, I, I think it's extremely important that we do give each side the opportunity to make their arguments. And again, you know, that's not going to say I'm always going to side with, you know, one side or the other, but at the same time, that's the way our system works. So, um, you know, Atticus in this case, He's not wasn't a public defender. He was asked to see if he would take this appointment. He ended up taking it, uh, and at the same time, he says, telling his children, you know, this isn't popular, but this is what I'm going to do because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and and that is powerful because sometimes you know you're licked before you even begin. That that's a really tough one for me. Uh, still, to to go in in front of a judge and try to make the very best argument for my client when you know, behind the scenes, maybe I've been working all week with my client to kind of come to reason on it and, and to come to a reasonable position on it. And um, I, I never want to be someone who uh, is just trying to chase an agreement because sometimes we need the judge to decide. And a lot of times we do because for one reason or another, um, people are so at odds in a given situation that it needs to come from a place of authority and it needs to come from um, the bench because otherwise they're they're going to say, you know, what could have been if my attorney had fought harder or if, if we had um, maybe not settled on a given position. So um, just that, that gives me comfort that you're recognizing that sometimes we do have to go out there and swing for the fences and know that, you know, what we're arguing it's the law. It's our best reasoned argument. It's researched. It's it's not in um, misrepresenting the facts or anything like that. It is the best argument we can make. And um, yeah, you're going to have a decision, and it's not always going to come down in our our client's favor. And trust me, we completely understand that you're in that situation. We were in that situation as well. And as long as it's ethical, professional, uh, and again, you're representing, you know, your client as zealously as you can, I'm not going to interfere with someone doing their job and doing their best. Afterwards, they'll give me that look, and I'll just kind of smile and nod, <laughs> say, "No words are necessary. I understand." Yeah, yeah, I could see that because I, I know it's um, you've been in, you've been in the same position, and you've you've been there, so you get it, and and that's a big plus too. And um, that being said, I I think that when it comes to um, our our bar specifically, um, the Sixteenth Circuit, Kane County, um, there is a level of congenial. Is it collegiality? Almost said congeniality. That's a different movie, but uh, collegiality, where we, I, I feel even my toughest adversaries, and I won't name any names, um, I can see them in court, and and they're working on another matter, and I'm, I'm happy to see them, you know, because I know that there's something to learn from them for one, and there's, I, I genuinely do have respect because. It's not an easy job um, to to be faced with so much um, resistance and, and to always be fighting. You know, I don't I don't know about you. You don't seem like the kind of person who likes to just go out and pick a fight. No, 
Okay, I w- I'm just saying, ge- generally speaking, you don't strike me as, as that kind of a person. And, and I think I even wrote in my law school admissions essay, like, oh, I don't like to argue. Well, uh, that's wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you, you're trained to, to argue, but it's a different kind of argument. It's, it's like, how are you going to formulate this position? And, and, and how are you going to convince someone that you're not being unreasonable in what you're saying and that they should agree? And that's one of the beautiful things about it. And I definitely have seen a shift. I've now been in the Kane County system for uh, 23 years. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you definitely have seen a shift and a shift definitely for the better. And um, also, you know, to plug the Bar Association, I honestly think it has a lot to do with that because we have an opportunity to to get together, to socialize, to have fun events. And it literally humanizes, you know, us and we get to know each other and then we realize, hey, we're in the, all in the same boat. We're just trying to do our job as best as we can. I love to see attorneys go at it and, um, you know, make really strong arguments. And even if it gets somewhat heated, for them to start talking, you know, right after and say, hey, do you mind doing the order? Yeah, I'll take care of it for you. But that is just so impressive to me because, again, you know, I always thought the phrase kind of funny and catchy. But, you know, we can disagree, but we don't have to be disagreeable. And Mm -hmm. even when you get emotional, we understand, you know, that we're human. It's going to get, you know, it'll get to us from time to time. But at the same time, we're all in the same boat. And I'm a firm believer in the the sense that it takes that type of advocacy to to make the 16th Circuit as uh, as good as it should be and as good as as what it can be. and, and I greatly appreciate the quality of, of work that's done by our attorneys uh, on a day-in and day basis. I was a floater for about um, almost a year, and mm-hmm. it, it gave me an opportunity to go to different courtrooms to get to see a lot of different attorneys. I got to see you work, and I, <laughs> I told you I have a lot of respect for what you do. And it was great because you, you get to see um, a lot of uh, different areas that you wouldn't normally get to see in, in your general practice. And it was just really impressive to see the quality of the work that we do in this county. And, and it's, I, I, I've worked in a lot of different counties in the state when I was practicing, and I, I sadly cannot say that that was the case. And I'm like, you know, there, unfortunately there are some people that are not being represented as, as, as best they should. And from our public defenders to the civil attorneys um, to the family law attorneys that I saw, I just have been really, really impressed. But it has a lot to do with the fact that we can go out, do our job, do our job well, and still have that level of respect. Yeah, and I, I thank you for that compliment, too, because when when you said that in, in court that day, I think you, you had mentioned specifically in front of my clients that I, I had done a nice job for them. And honestly, it was like it just made my whole week. I, I just I thought to myself, like, I wish all of the um, – clients that I've had could hear that I'm not, you know, I am doing my very best. I am trying really hard. And, and sometimes it is, it is just a tough argument to make or their ex-husband or ex-wife is a tough person to come to terms with. And, you know, we didn't make that problem for anyone, but we are trying to help solve it. And, um, yeah, that, that was... I remember, I think I called my mom and told her about it afterwards because <laughs> I just, you know, sometimes you just need to, to be reminded that, that your efforts to try to keep things civilized, to try to move things along, trying to make things happen um, are noted and, and that you're not um, doing it all in vain because it can be a little thankless at times. And I'm sure you probably 
can recall times when it, it's just overwhelming the the right. workload. And, and honestly, that's why I do it because I, and, uh, it's to me it's important that your the not just yours but all attorneys clients also hear that because I want them to understand even if I rule against them, look your attorney's done a good job they presented some solid arguments but unfortunately, you know this is the reason why I'm not going to be able to rule in your favor. But it, it as far as ensuring that people know that they're being well represented and again I overwhelmingly believe uh, that in the cases we see. Uh, we are they're getting good representation in this county it's important that they hear that because obviously they're spending money they're putting their trust in this human being whether it comes with or whether it's based on you know keeping their children you know uh, making sure that they maintain their liberty uh, I want them to know that you know they should feel comfortable with the effort uh, that their attorney has made on their behalf um, and then I always you know still try to practice and what would I have enjoyed hearing also <laughs> And um, to me, that's important. And, and I hope that most attorneys uh, who get to practice in front of me will understand that, look, there's going to be a level of respect, not just for the people that walk in, but also to the attorneys. Um, they're going to be treated with respect. They're going to be treated as they should be. And again, I'm telling you, my, my it, it's just so much of a cliche how much it goes back to Atticus Finch in that sense. And that, you know, what would it be like if you were on the bench? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and it would just be a situation where, you know, he would continue to, to try to... Um, live up to certain ideals that some people weren't willing to um, to fight for. So it's it's just, it's funny, but it's just been something that's been so impactful in my life. Yeah, and um, it's it's really great to hear that we have someone like you on the bench. And, and congratulations, if I didn't say it at the top of this conversation, um, for your um, becoming circuit judge. And uh, that's, that's a really big deal. I don't think... Um, I, as a newer attorney, when I was uh, first practicing, I didn't even know exactly the distinction, um, which is embarrassing to say, but I'm not from around here. So, you know, I, I'm catching up with some of these terms, but I do know that that is a um, big honor to be a circuit judge. There are only how many? Fourteen. Fourteen of you. And um, they, the ones that I know um, who I've practiced in front of, um, there's a caliber of of a judge there that um, I think all judges I want to be as respectful as possible in front of obviously um, but you can tell that that these people especially in our county they take it seriously but they also approach the position with respect towards at least towards the litigants you know sometimes an attorney needs to be put in our place if we show up unprepared or if we show up without knowing what's going on and you know that's not good and and that wastes everybody's time um but it is there are times um when we deserve to be admonished so to speak Um, but it's even then it's still respectful it's still uh with i think giving us some grace when necessary which is good and that, that's one of the things I always told myself I would not forget what it, it was like to be an attorney having to run to three or four different courtrooms in one morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been ex- as gracious as possible. Um, it, even, thankfully, my appointment to the uh, to the circuit position, you know, just reminds me of what I always wanted to try to be, which was basically an attorney that represented, you know, my community in Elgin. We moved there when I was three years old, so... Uh, I've lived in that sub-circuit, you know, my entire life, except for when I was away at school. My office has always been in that sub-circuit, and it was on purpose. Um, and it meant so much to me to be appointed as an associate initially because that meant that the the judges 
um, who selected me, and I, I was able to actually practice in front of every single one of those judges at one point. Um, got to see the work that I was doing in my community, and that's what means you know the most. So now that uh, Judge Novarini uh, retired, uh, my name was submitted to the Supreme Court. Thankfully, I, I was uh, approved, and um, now it's a situation where I'll run in a couple years. But it's just a, such a beautiful thing that my first official day as a as a circuit judge was also the first official day that I was uh, appointed or that I was assigned to work in Elgin Branch Court, which is four blocks from where I grew up. And it, wow. when I was a kid, I always told myself, you know, my office is, when I'm a lawyer is going to be in that building, which is the tower building. And mm-hmm. to this day, they kept the nameplates and the directory and the lobby, and my name is still on there, which is awesome. Oh, wow. And um, the um, I also tell people, you know, and someday I'm going to work in that building as a judge. So the fact that I'm there now is is so meaningful to me. I feel extremely blessed to be in that position, and and I'm going to really work hard to stay there um, because I, I really, you know, maintain that the our practice, whether it be a lawyer or now a judge, is just it, it really is uh, a profession that um, has a lot of honor and dignity. And as long as you you approach it in that way and you give it its due and you put the work in, it's a beautiful thing. I never really understood. Um, why there were always so many lawyer jokes, but to <laughs> me, I'm like this. This profession is so honorable to me that this is something that uh, I really want, and uh, thankfully, it's it's really panned out, and I, I could not be more grateful. Yeah, well, you, you have such a huge impact, especially on your community now, and um, I think that's that's a wonderful way to kind of put a bookend on this. You know, it, it really does go full circle for you that that you came of age knowing that this is what you wanted to do did you I was going to ask did you know that you wanted to be a judge as well I mean from a young age I knew I wanted to be an attorney and I think once I started practicing I realized you know there's something more out there for me Mm -hmm. and eventually when I'm ready to take that step um then yes, being a, a judge would be the next step. And to me, it was just to be able to provide myself with a, a, even a bigger platform to serve, you know, my community. And it's it's really worked out that way, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, that is great. And um, to be a re- representative of um, a smaller population. I mean, I I don't want to brush over your community involves um, Hispanic and Latinx um, men and women and children. Um, and so you, I have heard you speak Spanish on the bench which is such a blessing for people who are before you because they don't have to wait for an interpreter to come. Um, is, has that been something that's kind of, uh, what's that been like for you? It's uh, a dream. And uh, sometimes I explain it to people because if they kind of give me a nod look, um, it's not to say that people shouldn't, you know, take the steps to learn the language. But in many cases, these are not even first-generation people that we have in our courtrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want them to be in a situation where I was in, where I'm a six-, seven-year-old trying to interpret legal matters or medical matters uh, to my aunts or to my parents. Yeah. So um, I always explain it to people to say, look, you know, not only is it going to get your case called faster because we don't have to wait for an interpreter, this is a much more direct way. And I want people to make sure it, and uh, that they feel that one, our system is transparent and that they know uh, what is going on. Um, every single week that I'm on the bench, I will have someone who I speak to directly in Spanish after I, I resolve their matter say, you have no idea how much it means to us to see you. 
uh, in that situation, uh, on that bench, and to, to speak Spanish as a courtesy to us. Um, so thank you very much. And that's just, you know, again, doing it where I grew up just means so much to me. And um, like I said, I just, the only thing I can say is I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity, but it means a great deal for me to be able to do that in, in what I consider my home court. That's amazing. Well, you, you've got um, a wonderful uh, outlook on all of this, and I fully, wholeheartedly believe that there have been litigants in your courtroom um, where their children have seen what you're doing, and they are probably looking at you and seeing, look, I can do it too. You know, that's a really big deal too because, I mean, any any kid – should be able to look and aspire to this type of a role. And there, there should be no reason why they would be discouraged from it. And it, it does mean something. And uh, I, I don't ever for a second, you know, look to downplay that. And even when I have my clients who would come in, I would always address the children. They would apologize. And I said, it's never a problem for you to bring your children here. Never. Mm-hmm. And uh, even now when they bring them into the court, it's never bothered me. But it, to me, it's also important for them to see, when I was an attorney, um, them to see how I treat their parents. And I would tell them directly, did you know that your parents are my boss? They tell me what mm-hmm. to do, and I try to get the best result for them. And literally, when you think about it, and a lot of times it was the first time that they've seen someone in that position in a suit that addressed their parents in a respectful way or that smiled or joked with them and that, you know, elevated them and told them basically, you know what, I have broad shoulders. Put your concerns on my shoulders and and I'll I'll take it from here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now on the bench, um, like I said, uh, when you get those stares, especially also, you know, from older people that, you know, for the most part, you know, have told me I never thought I would see this. Um, it means a great deal, and it's it's a responsibility I really enjoy. I'm grateful for the opportunity that the circuits gave me to do that. And now, uh, as a circuit, you know I'm going to keep pushing to, to do that in whatever cap- capacity I have the 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 privilege of being able to serve in. But it's it's just a real blessing. I, and I mean, this isn't supposed to happen from a kid from Guanajuato. Yeah, Where so is that now? Guanajuato, Mexico. Where is that located in Mexico? So if you look at a map and you look north, south, east, west, mm-hmm. almost dead center. So we're, okay. we're a pocket of uh, a lot of um, uh, rugged terrain and, mm-hmm. and dirt. And I couldn't be more proud to be from where I am because, again, just think about where I am right now. It's just like, how did this happen? I mean, I, I don't understand, but I'm extremely grateful. And I do feel that it has, you know, a lot. It gives me responsibilities and a sense of stewardship as far as what I do with my, my career. And I, I take that aspect of it extremely seriously. Well, we can tell in your courtroom for sure. And I really appreciate your time. And speaking of time, you know, I, I'm looking at the clock and I, I can't help but see 36 minutes and think, oh, 0.6, not 0.5. That's horrible. But I, I do want to be mindful of your time and of our listeners' time because um, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And we could go on and on about Atticus Finch and To Kill a Mockingbird, but maybe maybe now the lawyers out there in uh, KCBA land will know, uh, don't come before you without having read it or at least watch the movie so they'll know how to behave and they can they can try to embody Atticus Finch a little bit too. So um, any parting words for um, your hope for the future of the KCBA, the younger attorneys, um, what's your hope for the future of the profession and 
future of the profession as it comes to our county. You know what? I'm extremely impressed with, again, with the level of attorneys that we're getting here in the county, state's attorney's office, new attorneys. Um, I had an opportunity to meet and work with Molly Peskind, mm-hmm. who, I, again, I just, I think very highly of her. And, I and do when too. I see other young attorneys, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased that we're going in the right direction. And, yeah. and, and it's something that I'm, I feel very happy to be a part of. But again, I would just, you know, encourage people, one, always be professional. Mm-hmm. Um, always, you know, be respectful of the titles that we have. Um, challenge yourself to embody, you know, the, the honor and um, what it means to be an attorney and why you became an attorney. Um, because it's something that I, I hope they, you know, that as new attorneys and um, younger attorneys, we never forget. And and I mean this sincerely, get involved in the Bar Association mm-hmm. because there are, these are great opportunities to go out and have a good time with your fellow attorneys, blow off some steam, and it just makes it easier to work things out. I tell people I wasn't the smartest attorney in the world. I wasn't the best attorney in the world. Uh, I got to this point because I, I knew how to work with people and how to resolve matters, and I think that that caught people's attention. And, and having the, those opportunities to socialize, we um, I participated in the trivia uh, contest mm-hmm. that we had in Trivia Night. It was a blast. And I got to be on a team with uh, family law attorneys uh, that were primarily from Wheaton, but I would never have had that opportunity otherwise. And it's just great now to be able to see them from time to time, smile and commiserate and remember the, the good times we had. So um, that's important. But then always remember, ask questions. I tell the state's attorneys that I work with in, in all of the branch courts, um, now's your opportunity to ask questions. Don't look to reinvent the wheel. This is going to be an opportunity for you to rely on other attorneys and even the, the court. How did I do or, you know, what what would you have liked to heard differently as far mm-hmm. as how I freight or prepared or presented an argument? But do that because I think that we're in a really good situation right now where our goal is to, to provide the best quality of service to our community in the 16th. And, and we can all do that by relying on each other. Absolutely. Well, Thank you so much, Judge Valdez. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for speaking with me tonight. No, it was a pleasure, and I'm very grateful for uh, the fact that you, the KCBA is doing this. Me too. Well, thanks so much. And that's that. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to our conversation. I hope you found it as um, entertaining and enjoyable as I did when I got to speak with Judge Valdez. He is such a passionate person, and his um, love of the law and his love of his profession really shines through when you speak with him. So hopefully you can tell him hi when you see him in court. And um, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this uh, podcast. And I hope that I get better at this as I go, as I do this series of our King County Bar Association podcast. Um, A shout out to Emily Rapp, our former KCBA president, who had this idea, and I hope I can uh, follow in her footsteps with this series. I'm not sure how many episodes we'll do, but if you're interested in coming on and discussing one of your favorite characters from TV, books, movies, I would be delighted. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to be a part of this. We are recording these in the St. Charles Public Library, which has a really cool podcast studio. Um, one last thing, and, and certainly not least, I just want to express my sincere condolences to the friends and family of Judge Parkhurst who passed away recently. We will all hold him in our hearts and we remember him fondly as a bar association. 
thank you to all of our members and especially the staff at the KCBA for um, helping put this together and all of the events and programming that they put together so that we can maintain our professionalism, our congeniality, <laughs> collegiality, I mean, uh, and so that we can stay in touch with one another and, and really get to know one another in our profession. Um, networking is great, but also you know, making true connections with colleagues is what it's all about because that's the way to strengthen our communities and strengthen our profession. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and I hope that if you did, you'll share it with others and um, be sure to listen to our next ones. I'll be doing a few more. So if you're interested in, in being one of our guests, please let me know. You can email me at christina at shawsanders.com and I would be happy to have a, a conversation with you. So thank you so much for listening and um, I'll let you get back to work. I'll see you in court. <laughs>